0: Hey, y'all, you're listening to episode 151 of the God Center Mom podcast with me, Heather McFadden. And today I'm chatting with the fabulous Sheila Walsh as we talk about leading our kids to the nearness of God's love. And here she is sharing a story about her son, Christian.
1: But then as Christian grew a little bit, I thought, you know, I want him to understand what, how fun it is to dive into the word of God, not just to read, you know, like a couple of verses and try and kind of you know, fit that onto your life, but to suddenly see your whole life through the mirror of the word of God, through that window. And as I watched my son's love for the word of God, even like, I mean, this is, he was older then, but when he was 15, he was struggling um, with a stutter and it was a real issue to him. And i was I was up in his room one day, he was at school, and I was changing his sheets. And I realized that up on the ceiling, he had pasted, and I had no idea how he got how it got up there, and I don't even want to know, but he'd copied out um, that text where it says, "You know, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness." And I realized he had the same text written in his bathroom. And when he came home from school that day, I said, Babe, tell me about that." And he said, "Well, Mom, I asked God if he would take this away." But I think God's saying to me, no, I'm going to shine through the place that you think is the most broken. So I've watched as the Word of God moved from just something we put into our son's hands when he was a little boy to something that's become the textbook for his life. And that's what I want for every mom and dad.
0: And I think that's what each of us who follow God want for our kids, right? We don't want them to be a bunch of rule followers and just going through the motions. We want them to have this heart desire for God's Word and just know God's love so deeply. Secondly, let's talk about Sheila's amazing accent. Don't you love it? Oh my goodness, if you do not know who Sheila Walsh is, I am so excited to introduce you to her. She has quite the story, coming from Scotland, and just her whole journey of getting to a place where she fully believes that God loves her and not trying to perform for him. She's a singer. She used to co-host the 700 Club. She's been on the Woman of Faith tour. She has so many books uh, and albums. You need to check her out. I have a true confession too. I conducted this interview the Tuesday after my dad passed away. He passed away on a Friday night and Sheila, I mean, it's such an exciting guest to have on my show and I couldn't wait to chat with her. I didn't know she was going to speak directly to me because here's where the confession part comes. I woke up that Tuesday morning and had a pretty, I mean, not major, but I had a little faith crisis. I started to question, uh, did my dad really go to heaven? Is this whole Christian thing a, just a fake, made-up thing we have? Um, I really struggled. I reached out to a friend and asked her if she'd had these similar feelings. I've, I was really, you know, struggling. And you might even be able to hear it in my voice as I'm interviewing Sheila. But I thought we were going to talk about her newest addition to the series, "The Bible Is My Best Friend," and talk about family devotionals and something light. And then she starts sharing these details and this story and you'll hear it. And I'll say after she shares, um, I can tell you later, Sheila, but you've really been ministering to me. And, um, the second we ended our interview, I just burst into tears and I told her what was going on. And I said, darn that Holy spirit. (laughs) I mean, God will not leave you alone. If you start to question or, um, have struggles in your faith, you don't need the right answers. You just need to talk to Jesus, and that's what Sheila encourages us to do, and that's what we want our children to do. They're going to go through all sorts of different phases and hard things in their life, and we don't want to just box them up with just a bunch of information. We want them to not just know about God, but to know God intimately, personally, so that in the hardest and darkest places that they walk through, they will go to Him with, with their questions. And that even if they're interviewing someone for a podcast, God will speak to them. <sighs> okay, I just had to get that out there so that you have that in mind as you listen to this interview. I also am excited to introduce anyone who hasn't heard of Jelly Telly. They are our partner this month. I'm so thankful for them. They help keep this show going. So what is Jelly Telly? In a screen-filled world, Jelly Telly provides a place where God is real And his word is true. It was co-developed with VeggieTales creator Phil Vischer. And now it's available on iOS, Android, Roku, and Kindle, and your app store on Apple TV. But JellyTelly is more than on-screen entertainment. They partner with you as you lead your family in faith. So if you're wanting to teach your kids what it means to live out their faith but you don't know where to start, make sure you check out JellyTelly's five-minute family devotional plan. It's about the fruit of the Spirit. It's a perfect solution. Each of these video devotionals guides your family time with a fun teaching clip, discussion questions, prayer prompts, and more. All you have to do is get your people, all your kids together, sit down, and press play. Get these devotionals plus over a 100 Christian shows and movies for only $4.99 a month or $49.99 for the whole year. Go to GodCentermom.com backslash JellyTelly. And don't forget to use the coupon code GODCENTERED, all caps, just for you God Center Mom listeners. You get $5 off or your first month of Jelly Highly Free. You can check it out. All right, let's get to my conversation with Sheila. Here we go. Hey, Sheila, welcome to the God Center Mom podcast.
1: It's fun to be with you. Thanks for having me. It's so fun
0: for me to chat with you. And I haven't told you yet, but you wrote a book, uh, several books, a series uh, called Will God's Mighty Warrior Series. <laughs> And, uh, that book inspired a gal here in Dallas to start a group for us moms and our boys. And we have met faithfully every summer for seven years, weekly, and done little activities. All, we call it God's Mighty Warriors. And it's actually, <laughs> it's spurred on other groups. Thank you for your oh. work. Starting with that work.
1: Um, That is awesome. I love that. It's
0: been such a blessing to my boys and to just having that community of them gathering around God's Word as a a group. So, thank you.
1: Thank you for telling me that. That's awesome.
0: Well, you have written more than just that book. You've written many, many books. You've had quite a story of your own. And I was so excited to have you on the show because I love sharing resources with these women out there who long to know God more. Who have their own journeys. And so, would you just share a little bit about your faith journey and how you got to where you are today?
1: Yeah, I'd love to do that. I was born on the west coast of Scotland. Probably tell them my accent. I <laughs>
0: love it. I love
1: that. I accent. live in Texas now, but I didn't start here. Yeah. And I, my mom and dad were both very committed believers, which wouldn't be unusual in America, but in Scotland, that is really rare. Mm. I mean, less than 2% of our population even go to church. Mm. So to have a mom and dad who loved Jesus was, was quite amazing. But when I was about five, my father had a, a massive brain injury that changed him from being this loving, godly dad mm. to this kind of angry, confusing stranger. And in fact, the last time I ever actually saw, saw my dad was turning in time to see that he was about to bring his cane down in my skull. And mm. he was actually taken away that day to a psychiatric hospital where my father eventually committed suicide. Mm. So it was the the first few years of life for me moved me from the realm of fairy stories to understanding as a child that there was no prince coming to rescue you, you better jolly well rescue yourself. Mm. And when I was 11 years old, um, my mom took me to hear Scotland's, at that time, only gospel group. And I remember the guy at the end said that God had no grandchildren, he only had sons and daughters. And that faith was something you had to choose for yourself. And that night I asked my mom if she would lead me into a relationship with Jesus. But I came with such a broken understanding of relationship. Um, So when she said to me, you know, Sheila, not only does Christ live in your heart, but you have a heavenly father watching over you. In my mind, I thought, you know, I've got one more chance to get it right. Mm -hmm. Whatever my dad saw in me that made him hate me in the end, Mm -hmm. God's never going to see so I probably spent the first 30 years um, of my life loving God, but trying to be the perfect Christian so that he wouldn't stop loving me. Mm. And I, I, I think part of my um, passion to write for other women is to help women understand that sometimes when you see somebody on a platform, or you see that they've written several books or, you know, whatever yeah. their profile is, you kind of assume that they've had that it's been a pretty straight path. But that's certainly not true for mine. Mine has been a very broken road. But I've learned something that will probably sound a little intense just to jump into with no context. But I've learned that suffering can be a gift from God because it really draws you closer to His heart and to a greater understanding of it's never been about me getting it right. It's about Christ who came to make everything right.
0: Mm -hmm. Wow. So tell us about this journey once you accepted the faith and you were trying to get God to love you and be perfect. what things did you do? How did you get to go from that Scottish girl hearing the gospel group to writing books and and the other things that you've done?
1: Well, I think I thought as a young woman um, in my teenage years I, I need to get everything right I need to um, I need to prove to God that I love him. So I went to seminary in London Mm. when I was 19 to train to be a missionary in India. And honestly, it was because I I couldn't um, think of anything that I would dislike more. But I thought, well, that's me showing God how much I love you. I'm willing to do something I don't even want to do. Mm. And and God redirected my steps. I ended up working with Youth for Christ. And then um, I made my first album as a contemporary Christian artist. And I was signed to an American label and ended up here in America touring um, with like a guy called like, S- Steve Taylor and yeah. Russ Taff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and and from that, I I was invited to co-host the Seven Hundred Club with Pat Robertson. Mm. And the, you know, the interesting thing though for me, Heather, is the insight. Even though I was on national television for five years every day. Inside, I was still the same broken little girl. Yeah. You know, I had learned very well how to put walls around my heart. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if you if you looked at me, it looked like I had it all together. Mm-hmm. But, but the truth was that inside, I was one of the loneliest people on the planet. You can be very well known and very alone. Yeah. And the thing that is just remarkable to me about the love of God was that, that God was so passionately pursuing me to help me understand what was true and my greatest what I thought was my greatest nightmare actually happened I as a teen I dreaded that whatever was in my father was in me Mm -hmm. and and that's actually what happened I went from one day being co-host of the 700 club and I had a kind of breakdown on the air and by that evening I was in the lock for the psychiatric hospital Mm -hmm. about the same age as my dad but it turned out, you know, it's, I have a couple of things that I believe and they sound glib unless you have lived them. Yeah. But I, one of the things is that I believe that sometimes God will literally take you to a prison to set you free. Mm. And that's what happened. That's what happened to me. It was there that I discovered, you know, when I had nothing left to say about myself. I mean, they take away your makeup, your hair dryer. I mean, you're just <laughs> there for the whole world to see. Yeah. And it was there that I began to understand the depth of the love of God.
0: Mm. Wow. Oh. Sheila, this powerful stuff. This is powerful (laughs) stuff. I mean, I'm sure the gal listening is just absorbing every word you're saying and processing processing as I'm processing to go from the heights and the, the public eye. The public eye and the pressures and the performance, which I think you know not everyone has been to that skill but we have the PTA watching or the yeah. the church ministry board watching or whatever our little world is yeah. and if we feel that pressure and we feel the impending breakdown and mm-hmm. uh to get to that point where the freedom is found in a prison is uh really interesting to me what did freedom look like on the other side of that psychiatric ward what did what changes happened for you
1: you know, it's interesting because initially, um, when I was leaving the 700 Club that day to drive myself to the psych ward, one of the the vice presidents said to me, listen, do not ever tell anybody where you're going or what's happened to you wow. because no one will ever, will ever trust you again. Mm-hmm. And he said, I'm trying to save your ministry. And I said, listen, I have no desire to save my ministry. I'm trying to save my life. Wow. And I honestly thought this was just a private part of my story. I never thought this would be something I would talk about. Mm. But after I got out of the psych hospital, instead of going back into ministry, I went back to seminary. I went to Fuller Seminary in California because I thought, I want to understand my faith again, but from a different place, from a place of understanding that this was God's love letter to me, not my love letter to Him. Mm. And and while I was there, I got a—actually, that's where I met, met and married my husband—and so I married later in life, I was 38, and at 39, we became pregnant with um, our only child. And I was turning 40 when Christian was born, and I got this phone call from a guy called Steve Arderburn and he said, I've started this little thing for women, called women, we're just calling it Women of Faith, and we've got like four speakers, and we've done a couple of things in churches, you know, would you be interested? And I said, Steve, you've got to be joking, absolutely not, A, I just... I just had a baby. I can hardly walk across the kitchen, never mind, you know, walk across the airport. And B, I don't have anything to say to women that would be inspiring. Mm. And he said, would you come and meet the other women? And I said, well, sure, I'll do that. So I met these other women and I sat and I listened to to Barbara Johnson talk about what it's like to have to go and identify your youngest child sent home from Vietnam in a body bag, Mm. but who'd been laid face down for three days in a rice paddy and she didn't even recognize her own child. Uh. I listened as Patsy Claremont talked about being housebound for years with agoraphobia, smoking three packs of cigarettes a day. Mm. Um, And I suddenly thought, you know what? I actually might fit in here.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) These are your people. These are your people.
1: (laughs) The thing that was clear to me and was that none of these women, me included, none of us were the hero of our own stories. Mm. Christ was the hero of every story. And, But I'll still never forget that the first time I actually had to get on stage and tell my story. And I thought, you know, because that's all I had to offer. I mean, I, I didn't want to get up and give one of those, you know, here's four ways to get closer to Jesus. Because what I discovered was it's through the broken places that Christ's love gets closer to us. So I simply told my story. and. What blew me away was at the end. I just, I mean, I said on the platform, "Listen, I'll just be outside. If anybody wants to hang, I'll be there." And just this line of women saying, "Me too, mm. me too, me too." Mm. I had no idea.
0: Mm. It's so powerful that I, there's nothing that's more repulsive to me than the perfection that doesn't need Christ and a Christian. Like I, I don't, yeah. I, I don't really love that. I've got it all together. Because then it implies, why did you even need Jesus? I, yeah, um, I've <laughs> I've been one to be overly authentic and honest about different struggles in my life, but that's only because otherwise you might think or the false impression that I've got it all together and I'm I'm doing this out of some hidden strength that you're lacking that right. uh, makes me better than you.
1: And right.
0: there is so much power in you sharing that broken story and. And you've written about it in so many different places and you've sung about it and uh, Beauty from Ashes and there's another books. There's just so many things. And then you've also applied all of, you know, all these seminary degrees and experience and your passion for God's word and his love letter that you've turned to writing curriculum for kids. Like I mentioned earlier, the God's Mighty Warriors and Gigi uh, and this new series, which I have to be honest, Sheila, I had never heard of. Yeah. (laughs) I'm so sorry, but I I thought I was pretty in the loop here, so I'm glad that I can loop in all these other moms because they may not have heard of it either, and it's fabulous. It's this The Bible is My Best Friend series, and there's more than just one book. I mean, you wrote a family devotional, and uh, tell us, like, how what inspired you to write this series of books?
1: I think – I was brought up in a very small conservative Baptist church in Scotland. Mm-hmm. My family has been in that church for generations. My great, great grandfather made the communion table. I mean, it's just, wow. and it's very conservative. Mm-hmm. And I grew up with this understanding of if you're a Christian, you have a quiet time. Yeah. I mean, it's not an option, you know, you make sure that you do that. And then, so it became something that was on my to-do list mm. rather than on my who I am list. Yeah, And, and then when I became a mom, I saw. I don't want that for my son. Mm. I, want to, I want to be risky enough to tell him from when he's a young child about the radical grace of God that will cover him on his best days and his worst days. Mm. And I also wanted him to understand, listen, the Bible is not some dry, dead book mm. that you'll have to read a few verses every day to make God happy. There's nothing you will ever read. That will have more relevance to every single thing that you're facing in life. And I thought, so really, it was with my own son in mind that I wrote the very first will book. Because actually I wrote Gigi first. And the reason the reason I wrote Gigi was I dropped Christian off at school one morning, and he was, I think, in first grade. And a dad was dropping off his little girl. And I knew from somebody the teacher had told me that the family had gone through a divorce and the mom just wasn't in a good place and not able to take care of her little girl. So the dad was. And I watched the dad drop this little one off. And her hair, you could tell he wasn't quite sure how to do her hair. Yeah. It was kind of in unusual place And she had one short sock and one long sock mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. But he looked into that little face and he said, darling, I love you. You are a princess. Mm-hmm. And she looked back at him and she believed him. Mm-hmm. And literally went from there to Starbucks. And I asked the guy behind the counter, if he had paper and a pencil, and I wrote the first Gigi book. Mm. Because I thought every little girl should know that. Mm. That the love of God is not based on what you look like, what you, you know, whether you're thin, fat, tall, skinny, none of that. It's based on the fact that God says, I'm not going to live without you, so I'm sending my son Jesus to die you. But then one day Christian said, "Hey, Mom, I have a problem here. You have one son, and you read this book for girls, you know." Yeah. So that—that's when I wrote Will. But then, as Christian grew a little bit, I thought, you know, I want him to understand what how fun it is to dive into the Word of God, not just to read, you know, like a couple of verses and try and kind of you know fit that onto your life, but to suddenly see your whole life. Mm through the mirror of the Word of God, through that window. And as I watched my son's love for the Word of God, even like, I mean, this is, he was older then, but when he was 15, he was struggling um, with a stutter. Yeah, yeah. And it was a real issue to him. And I was i was up in his room one day, he was at school, and I was changing his sheets. And I realized that up on the ceiling, he had pasted, and I had no idea how, he got, how it got up there, and I don't even want to know. But he'd copied out um, that text where it says, You know, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. And I realized he had the same text written in his bathroom. And when he came home from school that day, I said, tell me about that. And he said, well, mom, I asked God if he would take this away. But I think God's saying to me, no, I'm going to shine through the place that you think is the most broken. Mm. So I've watched as the word of God moved from just something we put into our son's hands when he was a little boy to something that's become the textbook for his life. Mm. And that's what I want for every mom and dad. That's
0: so great. Tell us a little bit, what did that look like in your home with your son? What kind of, I'm, people are always emailing and asking me, and how do we do this family devotion? They know it's important, right? We all know the yeah, Bible's sure. important maybe. And, or they didn't grow up in a home where the Bible was read or this, was, this, this is their first, first generation believers. What, give them a picture of what that looked like for you.
1: Well when he was younger, we would do um, we would pick a Bible story, and at that point my father in law my mother in law had died and my father in law moved in with us for the last three years of his life, which was so fun for mm. our for our son mm. and for me and for my husband so we would pick bible stories and we would act them out we would all be um, different characters oh, that 's fun and, and one of my funnest memories was um it was this Palm Sunday, the Sunday before Easter, and Krishna said, okay, um, this time I'm going to assign all the different characters. And he gave his dad and his grandpa you know, who they were to be, and then he said, okay, Mom, you and I need to go out in the corridor because I'm going to tell you about your role. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay, sounds good. So he said, okay, Mom, I'm going to be Jesus, and you be Hosanna. And I said, what? And he said, you be Hosanna. And I said, who's Hosanna? He said, the donkey. <laughs> Christian, how do you know this donkey's called Hosanna? I said, Mom, read the book. It says we're going into into Jerusalem and people are calling it Hosanna. They're not talking to me. Clearly they're talking to the donkey. <laughs> That's awesome. So we would just do fun things like that yeah. to make it come alive. And and, and we, another thing we would do is sit down at night and, you know, we would um we would have a kind of a devotional time together. But then we would do a thing where we would say to Christian, okay, it's your turn to ask your dad and I some tough questions. You know, if there's anything that you doubt about God or anything you think in our life, you think, well, if you're a Christian, I wouldn't be doing that. Mm. Then you get to ask. And it, it just encouraged and really fostered this very honest dialogue about faith. Mm. because And and one of the first things that was really rough for him was the day that um, my father-in-law died. Mm. Christian and I were the only ones home. He was, I think, about um, six years old. And my husband, Barry, was in Florida at a board meeting. And William had um, a heart attack. And by the time the EMS came, they had been able, they brought him back and Christian and I followed the ambulance to the hospital. But by the time that we got there, um, William was already gone. And I watched I watched my son. I watched how for the first, I guess, couple of weeks, two or three weeks, he did what I expected and that, you know, he cried. And But then one day he did the strange thing. We had adopted a cat from the shelter and he loved this cat, but I saw him kind of brush her off the sofa. Mm. So I said to him, babe, let's go for a walk. And We sat down by the lake, and I said to him, Christian, are you angry? And he said, yes, I'm angry. Mm. And I said, tell me about that. And he said, well, you told me that God answers prayer. And when we followed the ambulance, I said, God, please do not take my papa. And he did. So I don't like God, and I'm not talking to him again. And I said, Christian, that is absolutely the appropriate response. I want you to know God totally gets that. There's some, you know, because we want life to be fair. And I said, what you need to get, babe, is life is not fair, but but Jesus is with us. I mean, there's, there's something about the brokenness of, of things that we don't understand. And I said, here's the great thing about God. You get to tell him all of this. You get to say to him, I don't like this. I don't get this. But don't stop talking to him. You know, don't be afraid that God will get mad with you. And that's been one of the most important elements in our family relationship. You know, even as Christians got older and, you know, there's been times when I've said, um, you know, are there things in my parenting style that you don't like? And he said, actually, I'd be more comfortable having this conversation with a counselor in the room. Mm. So I was like, all right, let's do it. So I find this great counselor and the three of us sit down and, and I said Christian I want to hear what's on your heart and he said, "Well, you know, sometimes you know, you think dad's a little hard on me sometimes and then you get in the middle and you try and defend me and mom it makes it worse. Mm. Dad and I love each other and we can handle this." Mm. And it's just mm. I love the fact that that my son enjoys what I didn't enjoy as a child and that's the ability to speak the truth mm. and know that you can still be loved in the middle of it.
0: So much wisdom, so much ministering you just did in my heart that I'll tell you about later. But mm. um That's huge. I think the way we approach scripture with our children, the way that you made it fun instead of, I picture the opposite. Everybody sit down. Nobody move. No talking. I've seen this happen in my home. I'm just going to put it out there. There's this pressure that I know as parents we can put on ourselves that it has to be church as in formal and rigid and solemn. And you're not honoring God and you're being disrespectful. That word gets thrown around. And, yeah. and like you said, then, it, then in their memory, they feel those feelings of shame and yeah. being, you know, critiqued. And why would they choose a book that's all about that? Why would that right. be a book of life for them? And so your ideas and your words and just keeping that conversation open. I was laying in bed last night with my seven-year-old and, uh, we had been reading through your Bible storybook and uh, we were just laying there in the dark, and he started asking me questions like, well, how do we even know that this is true? And how did they know what order to put the books in? And how did the guys know that they were supposed to write it down? He's talking about canonization. We were talking about <laughs> authorship and divine inspiration. It was such a great conversation, but that he felt free to ask me these questions, and then I told him about how it was originally written on scrolls and the Dead Sea Scrolls and all this stuff, and he's like, well, I'm going to go look for some scrolls. Let's go to Israel. I'm going to go to Israel. (laughs) So, but keeping that conversation open and light and not being um, scared when our kids ask hard and tough questions um, is really important as parents.
1: And I think too, I think it's okay to say to our kids sometimes that we Uh, don't know. know. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think if, if you pretend that you've, that you have an answer to everything, Mm. I don't think that will help them when eventually they they hit a they hit a wall, yeah. and there's times when one one of the other elements that I that's hugely important to me, and I know that, like my son is now twenty and just got back from passion, you know, in oh, Atlanta, yeah, you know, where he's with fifty five thousand other college students, yeah, and and I think that there's something about helping our kids to understand that there is a mystery in God. You know, we get, mm. you know, this it's holding these these two things to be true. That God is real and present and here and with us and loving, and yet that God is holy and there's a mystery and there's some things that, that we're not going to understand down here. Yeah. And, and sometimes you have to learn to worship before the sun ever, ever breaks. Mm.
0: Mm. So good. Sheila, you are, I mean, honestly, I'm going to tell you later, but you're really speaking to me right now. You wrote Bible storybook. The Bible is my best friend, Bible storybook. And then you wrote, Where Do I Find Jesus? Talk to us about this little cute book. Um, it's written to help lead your child to Christ. What inspired you to yeah. write that one?
1: It, really, because when I was trying to find something that would help me um, communicate a personal relationship with Jesus, when, when Christian was five, I couldn't find anything. Yeah. I mean there were, there were some good resources, but they were a little you know like kind of three spiritual four spiritual laws kind of things and I mean they were good but i I thought i mean it's something that honestly, my husband Barry and i we even though my name is the the name that appears on you know everything I do, we're pretty much a team when it comes to you know a passion to to help children understand um. The great love adventure of their life, and so something Barry and I have been talking about for years. How could we, you know, do a book in such a way that would be fun for kids and kind of keep them wanting to read through, and yet at the end unwrap this this greatest gift. And so I, I love working with with B and H with Lifeway, um, because we sat down with all these illustrators, you know, and these portfolios of, you know, here's like. 50 different artists. And I looked through their work and some of it was beautiful, but it just didn't connect the way I wanted. And then I found this one girl who apparently was British, Sarah Horn. And she only had like a couple of pages, but one of them was like a I think it was like a hippopotamus inside an ice cube, and I said, "Okay, that is the girl." <laughs> That's my
0: girl, the hippo ice cube. That's awesome.
1: But we didn't know: a) was she a believer? B) would she be willing to do a book like that? And C) could we afford her? You know, she was she lives and works in London, so we said, "Let's try." So we contacted her, and she said, "You know what? Yes, I'm a believer, and I've never been able to work on a on a." kids book for, you know, for Christians, I'm over the moon. And so Mm. she became the illustrator because I said to her, Sarah, I don't want normal things. Like, I need to have a wiener dog in a kilt. (laughs) Now, most people are going to think, okay, no, there's nothing that's going to bring people closer to Jesus about that. (laughs) But she totally got it. And she got like, and I want a goldfish, but I want the goldfish in the bowl to have sneakers on. And I want to have a steering wheel because it's very boring if you're a fish and you're stuck in this one bowl. And I mean, she just... So then it was very easy for me to sit down and, and imagine what would it be like, you know, if you were a child um, and you uh, really get that God loves you and you want to help your friend understand, but you want to do it in a kind of fun way. And so that's where we did the story of where do I find Jesus that that it almost became like this treasure hunt of, you know, where are you hiding him? Is he in the tree house? Is he under your bed? And then this kind of understanding of, no, you know what, It's he's a lot, lot closer than that.
0: Well, I think it's important for people to know if they just start with this book that these three kids are coming from the other book, the Bible is My Best Friend book, where they, uh, the two, the twins, are they twins? Yes, they're twins. And then they have this neighbor and they are telling her about the Bible. And then now that she loves the Bible, then they're leading her to Jesus. And that's where this, this is Almost like a second book, uh, in this in the little little story series. And I'm glad you said it's a wiener dog. We were, you know, how you said we were <laughs> we were laughing, and I was reading through it, and I was trying to do the little, you know, what they say in the little bubbles. And yeah. uh, I said, and then the cat said, "What?" <laughs> <Holy> <laughs> well, so, so now I know. Now I know I can tell the boys. But they were laughing. We were laughing and reading this, which is very helpful. It's not a, this serious, intense. Yeah. Um, book, but it does you know, and then I got freaked out at the end. I thought, Oh no, what if Sheila and I don't agree on how what we say at the end and I'm like, Oh phew, okay. It's gospel. All right, good. All right. We are we're good. Yeah, we're, yeah, good. That, we're good. We're good. That would be big. Cute. Um yeah. but it was it was very cute, very sweet. My boys ages four to eleven enjoyed it. And I think that's about your range, what four to ten is what I saw maybe. Yeah, so if that's someone's right. listening they're like, is this for my kid? Uh that was very, very, very helpful. Um, so tell us about the family devotional since I don't have that one in front of me. What would that be like for families? What is, how's that
1: arranged? The family devotional was, was a really fun, fun thing to do because I, I wanted, because just from my own experience of what family devotional time was like when I was young, it was, it was something that I know that, um, my mom wanted to do with us but it just it had this kind of formula it became predictable yeah. you know we would read a little passage and then you know we, we would pray and i mean that was good and i'm not negating a second i'm grateful for every seed that was ever sown in my heart but i thought you know what about families that maybe you know maybe the mom and dad haven't maybe they're kind of new to faith or maybe they're not even really sure themselves i didn't want parents to be embarrassed by doing something with their kids that they felt uncomfortable with. So I thought, how can we, so the family devotional is really cool. We've got like a kind of devotional part and a little kind of memory verse, but then there's all sorts of fun games that you do together as a family Mm. and ways that you, um, and and that's, in that book, that's where I've included, you know, questions for kids to ask their parents. I love that. Parents to ask their kids and there's little treasure hunts and there's just I wanted it to be something that that the kids would look forward to doing rather than saying, okay is it time to do that but but what they would dis- because I've discovered um, in my own parenting when I've done things right and I've done things wrong I can have a bad day the word of God is never going to have a bad day, and there's just ways that we can tuck the word of God into our children's hearts and lives that it's almost not like this full-on frontal attack, but it's this adventure that they're invited to join in on. And and there's, there's, just, there's a lot of things that you get to do together as a family, as well as the devotional part. So that, for me, was a very fun ingredient. Sheila, you're
0: such an encourager, and you're providing so many great resources for us. Uh, I love all your tips on how to approach God's Word with our kids, and I did enjoy how with the... Uh, Bible story book you had, not just the story, which was a good chunk. It wasn't like overly long. It was a nice shorter chunk. And then it was a memory scripture at the end that could be read. And there was, I also love for the little kids, there's a find it, like a little picture at the beginning that you can then find in the story. Um, My four-year-old enjoyed that part of it. Yay. Yeah. So I just appreciate you coming on here. Is there any last word you want to encourage parents who are on this journey who desire for their kids to know God more?
1: Actually, first of all, I just want to say thank you to you. Oh, thank you for sweet. what you are No, I'm serious after what you are doing. I think that, I mean, I hope you get a lot of feedback, but I just, I love your passionate heart mm-hmm. to be who you are for other moms. So I'm really grateful for you. Thank
0: you. Thank you. It's very kind. Well, y'all check out Sheila. Where would they find you online?
1: You can either go to SheilaWalsh.com or BraveHeartSisterhood.com.
0: Braveheart Sisterhood. That'll, yeah. that'll preach. I like that. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, thank you for being on the show today, Sheila. And y'all go I'd check her it. out. It's good stuff.
1: Thanks, okay. Heather. Right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Ooh,
0: she's good... She's good, and I'm listening back to that interview. I was like, there's so many follow-up questions I should have asked, but, you know, you do the best that you can do, and Sheila has so much wisdom to bring. Truly, go check out all of her stuff. If anything she said resonates with your story, that's a resource you need to be following up on. Uh, Also... Thanks, y'all, for participating in the giveaways I've had on Instagram the last couple uh, days last week. And on Facebook, y'all are doing so great sharing and commenting and being so interactive. Podcast Club is going great. If you don't know what that is, it's like a book club that you would have with your friends. But instead of actually having to read a book, because who has time for that? (laughs) Except for if you have to read your kids for their school requirement. Or if you do like I do and you leave a book by your bed and read a page a night or leave a book um, in the bathroom for those rare moments where you can just shut the door, lock it, and say, Mommy's busy. Uh, You can have a podcast club. And the podcast club, all you have to do is listen to a podcast one time in the whole week or two weeks or how often you meet. I don't care. And then when you get together, you have something to talk about that's like a common thing. Um, So it's an excuse to have community. You pick the place, you pick the time, you pick who gets to come, and I provide the curriculum. So if you go to godcentermomcom backslash club, there's details. You basically give me your email and I will send you, um, I think there's like a confirmation email, and then there's the email with a link to the PDFs. And right now there's three sets of curriculum. There's a six-week set and another six-week set for moms and then there's a set for couples so if you have a co-ed small group and you're looking for curriculum this winter or spring um they've i had a couple gals listeners help me pick out episodes that they thought would work for couples and so they helped me write the discussion questions and that is available to you so go check that out um Thank you all for being my marketing team. Thank you for telling your friends. Thank you for tagging me on your own Instagram posts where you're listening. I love to see where you're listening. You're all so creative and so productive when you listen to the podcast. Uh, I know you all, some of you are at work. You're on your way to work. Kids are napping or you're sweeping, whatever you're doing. Thank you for listening. So many of you say, my friend told me about the show. So many of you said uh, that it has transformed. Your, your life, which it's not the podcast. Believe it or not, it's God in your life. And He has just used the podcast to pursue you and to grab hold of you and your heart. And He's changing you. That is the Holy Spirit's work in your life and the wisdom of uh, His workers, His co workers with Him. So I'm grateful for you. I'm thankful that you want your friends to also grow and learn. And um, like I said, I don't have a staff. And so you all are so helpful to me, <laughs> to help me do work, especially in this season where my mom's just really sick and it's a lot for me. Um, it's just such a grace to have y'all on my team. So thank you for that. Thank you for all your reviews on iTunes and your posts. Just the best listeners ever. Okay, you'll have a rock star week. And if it's not, it's okay. It's okay. Just go to Jesus. Talk to him about it. And I pray he will comfort your heart. All right. Adios. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the God-Centered Mom podcast. If you're looking for more resources on how to replace me with he, go to GodCenteredMom.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guest. I want you to really understand and know that God is just as present